Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You've heard the phrase, absence makes the heart grow fonder. It means that we like people if we haven't seen them for a while. You remember the good things, and mostly that is a good thing. Here's another, uh, time heals all wounds. Now that's not true all the time, but in general, give it a rest, give it time, and painful stuff seems less painful. Again, not a bad thing. But that's not the way to read Philippians chapter three that we just heard read. Because if we were to gloss over Paul's past, it would blind us to how God worked in his life and how Paul came actually to put no confidence in the flesh, that is, in himself, but to find his boasting and his confidence in Jesus. And especially if, like me, you have pretty much been a Christian your whole life, it would be a huge mistake to let time heal all wounds and to think that what Paul describes was easy. It's been about 25 years when Paul writes that since he first began to count as loss what he had thought was gain and to press on toward the goal that God has set for all of creation, but it has not been easy. You see, on the road to Damascus, Paul had an identity. He was an Israelite, born and bred. He worshiped the true God of Israel. He was circumcised when God wanted it to happen. He came from a godly family, and he had an identity. He belonged. And out of that identity flowed his purpose for life, to serve the living God and to follow him in holiness. And Paul loved the truth so much that when he heard about the sect of the way and learned that they worshiped a man along with the God of Israel, then he had to oppose them. He just had to. So he had an identity and he had a purpose, a godly purpose in life. And in this, he was confident. And then God stripped all of his confidence away. I searched for an image, actually, and it, it struck me that perhaps this might work, that Paul was like a man standing on a scaffold, working away, blissfully ignorant of how shaky and dangerous his work was. If you had just talked to him about it, I doubt that he would have listened to you. And so God knocked down the scaffold while Paul was standing on it so that he could learn to put his confidence someplace else. A light shone. He heard a voice and Paul said, Lord, who are you? And then came the terrible words that took everything that Paul had gained, took all of it, and if we had a literal translation that did not say rubbish, took all of it and turned it into the brown stuff that you find on the bottom of your shoe and from which you recoil in disgust. His confidence, his gain, had led him to this. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting.
So without even knowing it, Paul was leaning on things never designed to be leaned on, and he was putting his confidence in and finding his standing, his belonging in a righteousness that in retrospect he can only call my righteousness. And God stripped it away. He took away the support on which Paul was leaning while he was leaning on it. I wondered, did it have to be that sudden and that ruthless? I don't know, of course, but I guess if God was going to take away Paul's confidence in the flesh and replace it with a confidence and purpose that was purely God's gift, purely Jesus, maybe so. Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss, but God had to strip me of it. For the sake of Christ, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as dung. But I thought it was gain. I didn't know that I was leaning on a reed that would snap under my weight and pierce me through. So God stripped it away and replaced it with Christ. And Paul became a Christian. <laughs> he became a Christian. And then with all Christians, he learned the lesson over and over again, how to find confidence, not in himself, but in Christ. The thorn in the flesh, the nights in jail, the beatings, the difficulties. God used them over the years to teach Paul to long for the power of Jesus' resurrection and to press on until the resurrection from the dead. Would you like to have confidence in Christ? Would you like to know the power of Jesus' resurrection? Would you like to be conformed to his death and press on toward the prize? Would you like to know Jesus Christ? If we are moved to say yes, then let us draw near to one another and to God and cling to him as he strips away from us the flesh in which, perhaps without knowing it, you and I are placing our confidence. It can be almost anything. <laughs> I'm talking now, of course, about what our gods are. It can be your identity as a parent. It can be your ability as a scholar. I don't know what it is in your life. It can be what you think is your passion for ministry. It can certainly be your zeal for God. But whatever form the flesh takes, God, this Lent is in the business again of stripping away those things. Sometimes he does it slowly and sometimes it's gentle. Sometimes he does it almost brutally and there is great suffering. He may show you what you are leaning on by taking it away. I don't know what he will do. But he wants to take away all false confidence and replace it with Christ, with Jesus, with the surpassing value of being found in Jesus. And having a righteousness, having a, a measuring upitude that nothing can shake and nothing can take away because it's not about me and it's not about you. It comes through Jesus 
It comes through Jesus who, who actually set aside his belonging, didn't he? he? He put his confidence only in God, only in the Father, and he left his cause and his vindication to God alone. And he was treated like dung, and he suffered the loss of everything to save me and to save you. And God raised him from the dead. <laughs> he raised him from the dead forever. And he did that not only for Jesus, but he did it for you. So that you may be confident <laughs> now and every day. Not in yourself or in your ministry preference <laughs> or in your scholarship or in anything, but Jesus. See, this is what actually prepares us for life. This is what makes apostles. This is what makes pastors and deaconesses. This is what turns us into the servants of Christ. Because it's all about Jesus. And because God is good, not always gentle, but good, then he will teach us, again, to turn away from the flesh, from false identity and dangerous confidence to Christ. And then, and then to press on. Forget what lies behind, Paul says. That was all about me. It was all about you. It was my foolishness. It was your boasting. Forget about it and stretch out for what lies ahead. Press on toward the goal, the prize, God's upward call. You'll hear the prize coming. It'll sound like a trumpet. You'll be able to hear the goal drawing near because apparently there is no mistaking the voice of an archangel. The call will come, the upward call. Get up. Get up out of the grave. Get up out of death. Be free in Christ. Remarkably, that future is here today, right there. It's here. Forget what lies behind. Press on, reach out for what lies ahead. Take and eat, take and drink. The upward call, reach out and say, I want to know Jesus Christ. I want to rise from the dead. Amen.